female footballers, we are female focused. So I couldn't pass up the opportunity to be a brand ambassador for the newest female focused footwear company, Ida Sports. Ida Footwear offers high performance and comfortable footwear for athletes who have traditionally been an afterthought. Interested? Try out Ida Footwear and use our code FEMFOOTBALL10 for 10% off a pair of Ida shoes today. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Female Footballers Podcast. My name is Cassie Gray. I am your host. And today's guest is a bucket list guest for me. Um, She is a legend in this game. Her inspiring journey to become the queen of Brazilian soccer tells the story of an unwavering passion and a defiant perseverance. Um, Please welcome three-time World Cup playing and Olympic Brazilian national team player, FIFA's 1999 golden boot and silver ball winner, the amazing, just legendary Cece. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, It's definitely a pleasure to be part of this. And um, my goodness, I am a little bit nervous, but uh, I I cannot, again, this is always uh, a pleasure for me when I have to talk about my story and uh, thank you again for having me. Yeah, thank you. This is the biggest pleasure for me. As a, a fan of yours growing up, um, watching the 99 World Cup, Brandy at the time was my um, ODP coach. So I was at the age like 16, I think, in the 99 World Cup and was just just floored in your, what I believe it was the game, I mean, your goal in the like 35th minute. I mean, it was the most amazing goal. We'll get to that for sure. But um now, as a mom to a daughter who's almost 10, um, it's been full circle and amazing for me to open up a book like She Persisted by Chelsea Clinton and read about your story to my daughter. So um, I just can't tell you how excited we are to have you on and here and, and have our listeners who are a lot of players, a lot of parents, and even coaches that listen to this podcast, get to hear your story and understand the evolution of the game in such a short amount of time too. So let's get, let's just jump in. So, you know, you grew up in Brazil and um, at the time of of being a young kid, like many of the girls that play here, you were not allowed to play soccer. Soccer was not a female sport, right? You were, um, it was a a men's only type of thing. Can you tell us a little bit about that time growing up and kind of not being allowed to play and what it was like for you? Yeah, it was not easy. Um, You know, I grew up with um it and back then of course you know um i had my my brother uh which my dad always dream about it my brother to become a professional soccer player so imagine if you know i have four sisters but i was always confused because there was always this rules about yeah girls cannot play with the soccer balls girls have to play with dolls and I was very defiant, you know, even at age six, I was defiant. I was always ask them why, you know, there was always like, oh, because soccer is not for girls. And I, they never explained to me exactly what was the reason. But I knew there was a law. But I know I was like, law, you know, why? But there was, they never explained exactly to me what was the reason behind. So of course, you know, I'd say, okay, if that is a, that is this law, I don't care. 
no one's gonna come in here to check if I'm playing, <laughs> you know. So then I used to I start to go play with boys. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of weird because boys never look at me and say, oh, she's a girl. Um, so they accept me. Uh, there was always this fight between them because they knew, oh, she's a girl, but she's good. So imagining every, like every day after school, I used to go to this field, no grass. I didn't have shoes playing with the boys. I always got in trouble with my, especially my mom. And I was the only girl uh, playing with the boys. Um, so then my dad, you know, something's not right here. So because of that, because he was always saying no for me to play with him and my brother, I start to use my doll's head. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, I use my doll's head. But at the same time, behind the back, I used to go and play with the boys, which, you know, imagining all my... My neighbors used to go to my house and say, hey, your daughters play with the boys. This is no right. And I always got in trouble. But then there was, I think that's when my dad finally realized that doesn't matter, even though I was a girl, but he knew that I was born with a gift. So, and things start to change a little bit in my house. And that's when he gave me my first soccer ball. But before that, my dolls was uh, I have even have a box with my doll's head <laughs> and that's everything stopped for me, especially, you know, so it was weird, but I, I never accept a no. I never accept the fact that when they say you cannot do this, I always was like, okay, why, you know, why I cannot. So for me, it's that exactly right there when I finally realized, no, yeah, girls can do this, but it was not easy. Um, yeah. I think that not accepting a no is a universal part of the fabric of women's soccer in this world, which is what an aspect of the game that I just love. And it yes. started, I mean, I think it started with you and I think the Americans adopted that mentality as well, but I just, I love it. But shortly after that, they did change the law, right? Yes, they did. And then um, I was already, what, 11 years old. My family had to move because of my dad's job. I moved to a different city. Uh, and I, that's when the first time I saw another girl playing soccer as well. And then we kind of, oh, let's, you know, try to put a team together. But I like to play against who? You know, there was a, not a lot of uh, teams. And then we started to like play. It was going to like city to try always to find if we're going to, finding like a, a team a girls team to play against and then that's just happened when I was 14 so at age 14 I had the opportunity to play against another team that came from another city Feira de Santana a little bit far away from Salvador and that's when uh the the guy that was also uh in charge of the men's team he saw me and he invited me to play for Flamengo and I was 14 years old. And imagining to go back to my house and say, hey, I got to go. And my mom like, going to where? I say, I have to leave. Uh, I want to go to Felix Santana. I want to play for Flamengo. And I got to go. And she's like, nope, you're not leaving. And I say, yes, I am. <laughs> and my oldest sister, she kind of helped me because I went to my room. I got a, like a, 
a towel. I pack all my belongings, you know, and I say, I'm leaving. <laughs> so <laughs> my mom said, that is no way, you know, age 14. And I said, I promise I will go. I'll finish the school, whatever. Please let me go. Let me go. And finally, she decided to me. Uh, she decided to uh, for me to join this team. So I leave. Uh, basically, I left my family at age 14 to go to Feira de Santana and to play. No, I don't want to say professionally because soccer was not professional back then. But I moved in with 10 other players. I was the youngest. Wow. Um, so and I, that's when my I would say my career started at age 14 when I moved wow. to Feira de Santana. And how long after that were you in the national team then? Because this is, I mean, the trajectory of all this is amazing. And I love the aspect of your story where so much of your youth soccer life was very unconventional by American standards today, right? With the type of system we have here. Um, but you, you're playing with boys, which I think is hugely important, a huge aspect of how you got to be such a fast dynamic player. But then you go from 14 playing and then wasn't it like 17 you're already at the national yes That's yes a fast so, turnover yeah i stay uh, with flamengo for three years then i moved to salvador that's the you know that was already oh my gosh a big jump for me and um then at 17 that's when i was called to be part of the first national team that the base uh basically the core of that team it was uh, it was a group of girls they used to play for Hada, uh, that is from Rio de Janeiro. And it, it was like, I, I couldn't believe, you know, to be called uh, the first national team. We played the first women's uh, World Cup. There was not, it was like uh, no official. Um, it, it's, it was like, uh, you know, uh, I like, this is not happening because it was so fast. So, and I remember to leave the country because I was, um, you know, I was still young. So I have to get the permission from my both parents to be able to leave the country. But my dad, he was not in town. So, and I'd say, I don't care, mom, you have to do something. You have to go and, you know, you got to sign my dad's name as well. And she's like, I can't do that. I say, yes, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> My mom freaked out because, you know, it's illegal, but I said, you got to do it because if not, I won't be able to leave the country. So thank you, and God. Was, she yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and this is 91, right? For the, in China. It was so in 80, no, it's 88. Oh, this okay. was the, yeah, 88. It was the first women's national team, um, which that's when I, I had the chance to leave the country for the first time. It was the first time that I also was on the plane. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So um, it was the first time that I wore the national team jersey, the number 10. I scored my first goal against Norway. Um, so, you wow. know, but it's, it was so fast, but without no structure, nothing. We have to wear, like, basically the uh, men's uniform. It was everything. It was, it was big. It, but, you know, we just want to represent our country. Um, but it was like a dream come true. Um, so we finished in third, but it was always like, what is next? You know, mm -hmm. so what's, what's going to happen next? Um, 
but it, it was like uh, the best, one of the best experience of my life. Yeah, I can imagine how, like, again, your your journey was so fast in that time period to go from not allowed, being allowed to play to then getting to be on the first women's national team in your country. Like, that's a pretty fast turnaround. And that hopefully gives some of the listeners hope here with change and and the way that change can happen within sport. And I know here it feels like it takes forever for some things to change, like, you know, gender and pay equity and some of the things that some of the younger girls today are watching happen. But it actually, in retrospect, can be fairly fast, like your journey. I mean, then you jump right into like the 1990s, which was, I mean, as a youth player at that time, like getting to watch you on TV and go through, I believe, three World Cups or was it two World Cups? Yeah, the, the first one the, in 91, unfortunately, yeah. was injured. Oh, okay. uh, yes, I was injured. But then I had a chance to go to the training camp. But then it was again, it was the, the worst experience because it was like, OK, finally, we're going to have the first one, uh, you know, now recognized uh, by FIFA. And unfortunately, I, I got injured and I did not participate the first one. Then my, my first one, uh, it was in 95 um, in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my first Olympics uh 96 in atlanta then my second one 99 that that definitely the 99 changed my whole life yeah and change and change change women's soccer and i think in general i think change everything absolutely i think the 99 world cup i think if you're an american person listening to this podcast they're so ingrained in knowing the u.s women's national team story but it wasn't just a women's a U.S. women's national team thing. It was the entire tournament and every woman that played in that tournament from every country is a part of history in the making of, of completely altering the sport for women going forward after that. And I getting to be in high school and watching that was just phenomenal. And it gave girls like me hope for a professional league someday because up until that point, we didn't have that either. But you had quite the tournament. Let's talk about that. <laughs> I mean, you were, like I said, I believe you shared the golden boot with China's Sun Wen, and but you also got the silver ball. I mean, you had, I, weren't you most goals scored? Yes, we scored? yeah we both scored seven goals, uh, but China um, made through the final, which that's was a that's why I got the silver ball. She got the golden ball. Okay. Um, but 99, um, I have to tell you, you know, being with the national team for 17 years, 99, it was the moment, not only for us in Brazil, but I think in women's soccer in general, um, that changed my life and all the aspects, but also was the opportunity for us to prove in Brazil that yes, we can do this because you know before that we didn't have a lot of structure support for our confederation, but we we did it. But you know if it was not from you know what happened ninety nine, I don't know if you are here talking, you know because, and again, but that that was the best experience and to see my you know the fact that I was not, uh, I always was more that kind of player that used to be a playmaker give assist but I I was not like didn't always call out of goals and and when you know things start to happen in the middle of the 
the tournament, it was like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, giving like autographs, something that never happened with me, you know, see kids with, you know, asking for your signature and have a face painting, never. But then mm -hmm. also in the middle of the tournament, they have the whole controversy about myself being, you know, bald because I shaved my head and which was not very good. You know, it was something that created a lot of problems for myself, uh, my family in Brazil, because, you know, they always have the uh, girls have to be pretty, you know, so. It, but, it, it, but you have a story behind why you shaved your head, right? It, Isn't it? it yeah, tell that. I think people yes. need to hear that. It was uh, two things. One, uh, I made a promise that if Brazil, I say, if we do well, um, I will shave because I also want to be able to buy a house for my family, you know, because of everything they did for me. Um, so it was one off. The second one is when I met a boy that... He was dealing with bullying, um, and um, I was able to meet him. And I think that's something for me that shocked because I was not aware about this whole bully situation. But I was able to finally be, you know, someone that here, you know, I, I, it's okay, you know. So um, I didn't know speak English back then, but we were able to communicate. But that's one of the reasons also why I did that for him. And after that, I continued to do to honor him. And unfortunately, he passed away in 2002. But that's also the whole story behind, which, you know, I, I say I don't care. I, I'm okay with who I am. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, never fit with being the, you know, girly girl, I never tried to have that label. I mm -hmm. was comfortable of who I was and who I am even today. So I, I didn't know, I didn't like that, but you know, I always try to make sure I stand out for myself and what I believe it was okay back then. Yeah. I just, I love that aspect of it too, just because you, there's just so much purpose behind what you, what you were doing and you had to deal with a lot of of struggles like you said it affected your family and and the idea even uh, back then i would say it was more universal than maybe just specific to brazil but like the idea to um have to look a certain way as a soccer player um it still kind of exists today i guess and it's still an argument that women have but i would say we've come a little bit of a, a way from that i don't know has as much in brazil here in america we have a little bit but it's still, there's still a struggle that there's an ideal look to what we should act like or look like as a female soccer player. And uh, I guess we, we, you know, for me, I, even with the national team, there were times that, oh yeah, you know, she cannot go, you know, do any interview because of that. Oh, you know, um, she, because she's still, you know, bold. No, let's, Let's get this person because she's pretty, like, you know, long hair. So mm -hmm. I suffer a lot because of that. But, you know, that's not what's going to define who I was. And I never, I think that's one thing that always stick with me because I was persistent. And, and I never allowed people to say, yes, you cannot do this. You have to be this way. I pay a high price, but I don't regret. 
-hmm. never regret what I, uh, uh, for what I believe, what I was trying to do is that's okay to be who you are. No one's going to change. I always want to show on the field, you know, mm -hmm. but off the field, it's my life, you know. Um, but I, I, there were some consequences that I, I know I pay for, but I never regret. Never. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, so 99 happens. It's an amazing uh, tournament for you, for Brazil. Puts Brazil on the map. Gives you the name of the queen of Brazil, right? Brazilian soccer. Um, I know I was like, oh my gosh, who is this woman? You're, you're a banger of a goal <laughs> in the Nigeria game, I believe, right? It was like yes. upper V, amazing free kick. Um, it was just amazing. It was just so awesome to watch. But then what, like you said, this tournament totally changed the face of women's soccer. And here in America, we were able to get for the first time a pro women's soccer league. And you were a part of that. And you played on my local team. So I got to keep watching you, which was so cool, the San Jose Cyber Race. Tell us a little bit about that transition out of the 99 era and into pro women's soccer and you finding your place here in the Bay Area. Um, after 99, I, you know, I had a chance to play my last competition with the national team that was in 2000 um, uh, in Sydney. And um, I didn't have a chance to basically close the chapter with the national team the way that I wanted. Um, but then, you know, came this opportunity to come to United States that I never uh, in my, you know, never in my whole life I thought I was going to have this chance to be part of, uh, you know, league outside of Brazil. Um, when I got the call, and one of the things they asked me, where, where do you, you know, where exactly would you like to be? And I said, California, because, you know, we, the, the, the weather, we mm -hmm. know they have a big Brazilian community. And I say, I would love to go to California. I don't want to go to a place when it's cold. Mm -hmm. So then the opportunity came to come to California. And my first experience and one of the things that I will never forget was the fact that when we arrived in San Jose, Brandy opened her house. We had a dinner, which she prepared a Brazilian dish. So Tatia and I, you know, we went to her house. It, it was like, oh my gosh, you know? And I always, and I, I was a, like Brandy's, I, I want to say biggest fan, but because we always, when we play US, we want to beat US so badly because it was, you know, the best team. Mm -hmm. And we used to have all these problems with them, especially Brandy, Katja and I, we used like imagining and the heat of the game, we used to say things back to each other. But, you know, to go to her house, to spend the time, meet the new team. Uh, and uh, again, it was like, oh, wow. You know, we, I, I did not speak English. Katja didn't speak English, but they were so great with us. And I think that's what it, it, for us to have that reception, to be, you know, for her to be able to do that was definitely something they will never forget. Yeah, but that's it, was, awesome. it, it was an, it, it was again, it was, uh, I always say that that league to play against with the best players, it, it, 
is something that, uh, again, it's, I, I always gonna treasure that. Yeah, I know it's, it was such a disappointment that the league only lasted about three years. You were with the San Jose Cyber Race the whole time, right? And then yes. um, I'm part of that generation where I was, um, we actually played you. I went to UC Berkeley and Cal played the Cyber Race in one of our spring seasons. And that was like the highlight of my life. I was like, oh my God, I get to play against all these amazing players. But um, I actually trained with you guys a couple of times as well. Um, and was floored also with just the, the level of play was phenomenal. And just the commitment. I remember being at a training session at West Valley College. Brandy was hurt and she was like instructing from the sidelines while she's doing like push-ups and sit-ups. And you were on the field kind of instructing other players. And I was just like, where am I, first of all? And second of all, like you have players who are injured still working out on the sideline. I hadn't seen that at the college level. And even though we were a pack 10 and we were a great team. It was like, this is a whole other world that I just thought was so cool to be a part of briefly. And then unfortunately I graduated and the team and league folded. So um, it was another six years before the WPS came around. And most women from that cyber race team transitioned to play in the WPSL for the Cal uh, Sacramento at the time, Sacramento, but California Storm. Right. And that's where you ended up. Yes. Uh, after the league folded in 2003, I went back to Brazil um, with, OK, uh, no any uh, like expectation um, because I knew there was nothing there. Um, and thank you, God, that Jerry Zanelli, mm -hmm. it was the person that kind of brought me back. And I did not think twice. Um, and of course, you know, um, I always, I'm gonna, always gonna be thankful for, uh, the, you know, again, to be part of the cyber race, but also for, you know, Jerry, for give me again, another opportunity to come back to United States, play in a different league, which was, was different, but at the same time as an opportunity for us to continue to play, mm -hmm. you know, so he helped so many players, um, back then. And I, again, it, the, that was the reason why I decided to stay also. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it was a, a different transition for me because in between trying to play a semi-pro, uh, at semi-pro level, I, you know, I got an opportunity to be in an assistant coach at junior college. And it was different because I thought junior college and college was the same, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I had no experience uh, besides, you know, of course, I coach a little bit in Brazil. I coach futsal in Brazil, but I never had, I was not even thinking about it, to transition right away to become a coach. So, but I was able to adjust to that. But thankfully, I was, again, it was not for Jerry to, I don't know if I was here. I don't know exactly what I was doing um, in Brazil, but... It was different, but at the same time, I, I was able to continue to play. Um, and I, I, you know, my last game with California Storm, I think it was maybe three years ago. You know, even people don't kind of, do not believe. I was like 50 something, I was still playing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say. I think what's phenomenal <laughs> about you is like your unwavering passion just to play, you played those six years um, from the, the time the WUSA or the WUSA ended to when the next league came around here in America, it was the WPS in 2009. 
a lot of girls of my generation hung up their boots because we were like, when is this ever going to happen? And I was one of those players. And you kept playing and players like my college roommate <laughs> friend, Kim Yokers, who we both love uh-huh. and adore, she kept playing. There was very few, Tracy Ham. There were very few players from that generation of my era that just kept playing, but you never stopped. You played that whole time. And then when the FC Gold Pride came around, you were playing and coaching, I think, right? Yes, yes. When uh, Albertine uh, invited me to be part of the FC Gold Pride, I, uh, I had the expectation to join the team as a player, not as an assistant coach. So I took, uh, I would say, three months. I did a lot of uh, stuff on my own. I'd say maybe, you know, uh, I'll have a chance to play. But then um, uh, it was, he invited me to be an assistant coach, which it was hard for me because I was still holding that hope to join them as a player. And uh, it did happen in the middle of the season. But, you know, it was difficult for me to adjust to that. Um, mm-hmm. But I say, you know, um, I don't care if I play two games, three games, who cares? At least I can play. But at, at that, my mind was already uh, transitioned to more to the coaching career. And but it was it was hard for me to let that go because yeah. I love so much this sport that it's hard for me to see myself without playing, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's hard for so many players, but especially it's like a timing thing, right? It's like if the WSA had continued, you know, you'd have had six great years of playing pro soccer. And I think that's what's, I'm of the same generation where it was like kind of missed out on the, the ability to like really grow through a pro career um, here in the States because of, of all the financial issues with the league mm-hmm. and stuff. But, um, you know, I think, and retirement, you didn't, so you didn't really officially retire because you kept playing, like you said, for the storm, right? So tell yes, us yes, yes. Uh, I kept playing, um, but, but you know, the games has changed so much. You know that it comes more uh, the pace, um, and it comes more like okay, you know, maybe this is the time for me to be done. Uh, as much as I want to be out there, but you know, it. it I always like, okay, so if we have, when Kim was still playing, oh, yes, I, I can play because, you know, you have, you know, even though she's younger than me, but it, it, it was it was difficult for me to kind of keep pushing and it comes more with your body kind of telling you it's time for you to stop. But then I had surgery last year. Then I finally realized, you know, um, it is time. Um, I'm, I'm fine. I think I am now, um, okay with myself. Uh, and, but even though I, I always want to be out there playing, I don't care if we, even with my players, but it, it was, it was, it was hard for me to, again, to say, Hey, that's okay. Um, you already did a lot, um, but you know Jamie now in charge of the California. So is some Jamie was always like, no, you should come back, come back one more year. Like, no, I can't. No, come back one more year. Like, I can't. <laughs> you know, because yeah. it's as much as you want want to be there helping, but it, I'd say no. It's better to 
be done and be okay with um, and maybe help, um, but yeah. not on the field. You know, I was say you have so much to give still. I mean, you're, you're coaching for, or were update me on exactly where you are, because I think this changed in the last few weeks, but um, mm -hmm. you were coaching for Walnut Creek surf. Are you still doing that? Yes, I am. Uh, I am coaching uh, girls, 2009, 2008. I'm a, the technical director and I got now a new role with California Storm to be the technical director for the USL and the WPSL teams. That's so awesome. And these uh -huh. girls, I mean, you have so much knowledge and skill to impart on these girls. And I think that is so valuable. And and I know that Storm has always had just amazing women involved. Jamie Lavoie is just phenomenal on the program up there has been top notch for the WPSL and now the USL. And I'm excited to come watch games and stuff. So your role will be technical director. And how how often are you coaching at this point? Like, oh, my, it's like my only day off is on Tuesdays and sometimes on Fridays, but I'm on the field Mondays through Sundays. Um, and sometimes I still do like group trainings and on the field 24 seven, to be honest. Um, even when I have a day off, it's, I go nuts, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy. I, it's, it, it go crazy. So if, okay, I'm on watching games, uh, 24 seven. So, but I'm excited for this new, uh, opportunity with California storm. Um, you know, Jamie has again done a fantastic job with, and, uh, I think Jerry, he's very proud. Yeah, uh, they, it, it's very different from when I used to play. But uh, again, it's giving, again, opportunity for the girls because we have so much talent here in uh, Bay Area. So it's, again, I always say it, it's continued, you know, to carry his legacy, which yeah. I'm very, I'm very proud of what she has done with the organization. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, out of curiosity, just with you being involved heavily in the youth game and now at that level, at the USL level, um, would love your thoughts on just, you know, um, not necessarily how the game's changed, but going forward now that there's a new pro league with the NWSL and the, we just got announced here in, in California, the Bay Area, the NWSL to the Bay group just announced a new team coming in the next year here. Like, what are your thoughts on like the evolution of the pro game or, or our next, the next Bay area team, you know, you've been a part of the two Bay area teams that were here. Do you have opinions on what it should be like or what you want to see? Just tell us your thoughts there. Oh my, I, uh, when I heard the news, Oh, I say, Jamie, I think, uh, we're going to get together and celebrate because, yeah. uh, we, we, I've been looking, for a new team. I was always like, yes, we deserve to have a team here in the area. Um, but also look who's behind here yeah? is a group of people that uh, I think they have the experience. They already, um, they know what worked and what did not work. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I just hope that we last longer you know, I just hope that's my hope. Uh, but when I look who is behind, I was like, who else? You know, uh, they're very powerful women. 
Um, and I'm excited for them. I'm excited for Bay Area. I'm excited for the kids. I'm excited for the this new generation. And even though people say, yeah, but they have two teams uh, nearby, who cares? We used to have teams also in LA, um, but I deserve, I think Bay Area deserve, and I cannot wait for next year. I mm-hmm. cannot wait to hear what's the name, the caller. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, but I'm, I am, I'm thrilled. Um, and I, my, my players are thrilled because it's also, we're going to have a chance to see maybe new role models because that's what we need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them. I'm happy yeah. for, for Bay Area especially. Yeah, I mean, I think what's so unique and cool about the Bay Area is they girls in your community where you live can go watch a WPSL game. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, in Sacramento, they can go watch a USL game and there's all these different levels. They can go to a college game and watch the collegiate levels. And now they're going to get the chance to watch the NWSL levels. And it's like, there's just so much to see and watch and be a part of. And I, I work with a lot of girls in female footballers. You know, we work on the mental side of the game. We do a lot of uh, mental skills sessions. And I'm always floored at how many girls are not watching enough soccer. And if they do, like, I mean, I had a session two nights ago where the girls are asking me, Messi or Ronaldo? And I'm like, what? What are yeah, you talking yeah, about? Messi yeah, and Ronaldo? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, and it's like, we need to get to a point where girls like know the names of all these different girls and they're aware and stuff like that. So, you know, what are your... What's your advice for younger girls playing when it comes to like representation and visibility coming from somebody who didn't have women to watch growing up for you getting to be a part of those women that were that way for others? Like, what's your advice for younger girls and watching soccer? Um, I have to say that definitely things just change because I didn't have a chance. I didn't have role models back then. So, of course, I had male players. I didn't have female. Mm-hmm. I, even though maybe now a lot of players don't know, but it's still, um, you know, of course, people know who's Messi, who's Neymar, but I always try to educate, especially my players, that you got to watch soccer more. Watch women's soccer, because that also is a, repre- a representation of who we are today. So... I, tr- I encourage them to do that. I, I, I understand that you can still have your idols. You can still like Messi. You can still like Neymar. You can still like Ronaldo. But I think there are, maybe I might be wrong, but there are players they are more aware of who is Alex Morgan, who is Rapino, Mega Rapino. You know, so I, I, my advice is to them is to make sure they, they will continue to watch more um this is also a way for you to learn um i always say you know my group especially it's one advice that i give all the time is to make sure that you gotta be who you are it doesn't matter um there are different levels for also for you to play you know um encourage them to continue to you know to have the work ethic especially but i always say to them Spend some, you know, 30 minutes of your, your day, watch some soccer. I always give homework for them to, you know, watch. Today is going to, you know, U.S. going to play Ireland. Um, come back with how they play. Who's your favorite player? Uh, so it's also, they will keep, you got to keep them interest as well. Mm-hmm. But I think it has changed 
uh, you know, we watch now soccer on TV, something that in Brazil we did not have the opportunity. Um, but they all, the, the social media now is so big. So the kids now also, they have access to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what other advice would you have for young players who want to play at the level that you got to in today's world, which is, I know, so different with so many different um, acronyms of leagues and systems mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. that. I mean, we also have a lot of parents who listen to this too. So if you have advice for players or parents on how to get to that level and maybe, you know, connecting it to female footballers, the mentality or the mental skills needed, leadership type, type of skills needed to play at that level. Um, it's, it's, it's keep working, keep believing, um, believing that, uh, you know, uh, dreams do come true. That's for sure. Um, I, I, I know now we have too many leagues, too many levels that I, parents, they think that for you to play at the highest level, you have to be part of the, uh, this league. I don't believe that. Uh, I believe in any league that you can play, people are going to see you, but also it's going to be based on what you do off the field. Cause I did a lot of work on my own. Um, but that's what I keep telling the kids to keep work on their own um, and put a lot of time on. And if you really want to do that, it's going to come with a lot of sacrifices. That's for sure. Um, and you have to have the drive, you know, and if you have that, I don't think no one can stop you, but it's not a league that's going to tell you, you can play at the highest level. That's not true <laughs> because I do not have that. You know, I never play any, in the league, I do not, I was no part of any program. So, uh, exactly. but yes, you keep, keep working, keep working, believe and and don't give up. That's mm-hmm. one thing as I would say, don't give up. Yeah. And you're hearing this people from like the most persistent, defiant, passionate player that I've ever seen play. And I think in your story is so unique to today's landscape and it's still completely valuable I feel like there's so many players that play at the highest level who didn't take those traditional routes of playing for that specific team and that specific league and went to that specific college like it's so unnecessary and I think that the more like players that we can get with more unique backgrounds I mean even like Alyssa Thompson for example who's you know Angel City's newest 18 year old player she grew up playing with boys much like you did and I think like the more opportunities we can play in different places with different people um, on different surfaces even can only help our game, right? Yeah, so. that's true. Well, I, we, we played in Brazil, we, we play a lot of street soccer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we, I always say kids here are very fortunate because they do have more access and the structure, something that we don't have in Brazil, unfortunately. So I, yes, um, I, my adjustment to play, you know, the professional level to the semi-pro level, it, it was different for sure. But I enjoy every uh, level that I play, different people, different skills. But I always had, you know, I made the adjustment to my game. I tried to help those players that I had a chance to play with um but kids here they're very lucky mm-hmm. uh and they have to be thankful because 
it's different from where I came from. So mm-hmm. um, take this opportunity as well to, you know, to be thankful, to, to say thank you to the, the parents as well, because they have to do a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So, cool. you know, thank you to the coaches, because sometimes also we have to have a lot of patience, yes? So yeah, that's, that's all the side sure. of you know gotta have a lot of patience but i always say you also are in charge of do a lot of things on your own um and if you do have that desire i believe that yeah dreams will come for sure they come true um, um but don't expect that you know things gonna come very easily um yeah so. No, this was but so such great advice. And I just can't thank you enough for coming on here. This has been so awesome to get to talk to you and for our listeners to get to listen to your story. Um, I mean, there if you if you want to see more of Cece, you guys, mm-hmm. just Google her. There's there's movies, there's she's in a ton of books. I mean, like I said, my daughter and I, she's you're one of her favorite players because of you know the representation you have and your story and your journey. And we're just so grateful to have learned from you, have watched you play, gotten to play against you was like the highlight for me. And um, I just can't thank you enough for coming on here. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure uh, anytime. And, and, you know, again, I cannot wait for the, this new team. And, and again, it was, it was definitely, I enjoyed this, this, you know, I always say it's like a, a conversation, you know, it, mm-hmm. which, uh, I enjoy. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, we might ask you to come back on in the near future when they announce the colors and the name and all that. We might have to get you and some of your former Pride teammates like Tracy Ham and Kim Yokers to come on and, and have a little banter about your FC Pride days and talk about the new team when, when it gets announced. So Look, we'll see yes. about that. I'll let you know. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. awesome. okay. well, thank you so much for coming mm-hmm. on today. You're welcome. Have a good day. Uh, Bye-bye.